Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writing Wrongs on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My name is Bill Myers, and I have the privilege today to be talking with Scott Turow. Mr. Turow's books have been translated into 40 languages and have uh, sold over 30 million copies worldwide. He is, he's been described as uh, the gold standard of literary legal fiction, li literary legal thrillers. Scott, welcome to the show. Bill, thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I noticed that you're much better dressed than I am, which probably has to do that with the fact that I've retired from the practice of law and you haven't. So. Yes. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. I was going to ask you that. Now that you're retired, are you writing full-time? I'm definitely writing full-time, and uh, I still have a couple of pro bono cases that, um, as one knows about the law, you know, they cases linger uh, yeah. a, a little like COVID, and uh, so I, I still have two cases that are with me, but most of my time now goes goes to writing, and remarkably, the books seem to come faster now. So, um, <laughs> I guess they do. I guess they do. Uh, I hope you're having uh, having a chance to travel too, and get to see your grandkids and all that stuff. Yeah, the grandchildren thing uh, it has been nice to resume, uh, and actually, I have a trip tomorrow. Um, the uh, you know, leisure travel is, is, we've done some, but, you know, probably less than we used to. And I think, uh, and, and one of the reasons for that, uh, which you undoubtedly know from your own experience, is that it's such a pain in the butt to fly right now. Oh, yeah. um, you know, the, the crowds and the delays and, um, you know, and you get on every flight without any sense that you're actually going to leave. So, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I've experienced that as well, unfortunately, unfortunately for everybody, but, you know, it's just, it is what it is, and you, and you deal with it, right? So, um, in addition to readers, we have writers who are going to be seeing this, and I have you as a captive audience, so for, for a couple minutes, I just want to ask you a couple things sure. about, about writing. When you're, when you're writing a protagonist, how do, you, how do you approach it? And what do you think makes for a good protagonist? Hmm. Um, you know, that's a question that, um, you know, very often people ask questions I've heard before. That is not one that, uh, that I've heard. So my compliments to you. And I think, you know, Bill, the simple answer is that, um, it, you know, a good protagonist is somebody who feels like she can withstand the weight of a book. And that means that um, whatever conflicts I sense in, uh, in the protagonist's character uh, are, you know, big enough that, um, they deserve the hundreds of pages that they're going to get. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, Mrs. Dalloway is a remarkable book, but I couldn't have written it um, because, um, you know, 
that that woman's not super interesting. Um, <laughs> so Pinky, uh, you know, in Suspect, uh, is somebody who's got a lot going on at the center of her. And that's the real requirement that whoever it is, for me, has to have somebody who's got, um, who's got some stuff to work out. Yeah, and Pinky, Pinky does have a lot of stuff to work out, and I and I want to talk talk about her. When I read Suspect, she pretty much jumped off the page. Actually, when I read the last book, The Last Trial, Pinky jumped off the page, even though she was a secondary character. She was Sandy Stern's granddaughter, and seemed to me to be exactly the opposite of Sandy. Correct. He stayed. He's reserved. And she's like an explosion in a, in a candy factory. Right. So he's, you, he's, he's thoughtful. She's instinctive. So, <laughs> yes. Did you, did you design her to be that way? Or as sometimes happens with, with authors writing characters, did you just give her a name and she asserted herself and said, Hey, this is who I am. Yeah. No, you know, I, 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 Every novelist has the experience of encountering the character who runs away with the book. And for me, I know uh, a book's going well when, when that character shows her or his face. And uh, just to define terms for your listeners, that's the character who defies expectations, demands more space uh, and more time on the page than uh, the author in, you know, designing the book thought, thought that that character was going to get. So, you know, and Pinky was certainly that kind of character in the last trial. And, um, you know, what you just said, that she's the opposite of Sandy, um, is not something that ever actually occurred to me, although um, you're clearly right. Uh, and uh, they are polar opposites. And um, in a, in very strangely adore one another. Um, right. So, uh, which is probably not something that you might expect, except in a family situation. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about the, the plot of the book in a few minutes, but tell, tell the viewers a little bit about Pinky, about her her backstory, her history, and her personality. Sure. Um, so Clarice Pinky Granham, I could be, I could be a wise guy and say she made her first appearance in *The Burden of Proof* when her mother, um, you know, in that novel published in 1990, announces that she's pregnant, and uh, the the person she's pregnant with is is Pinky, um, who you know grows up to be, um, for no obvious reason grows up to be a really troubled kid. Um, she ultimately explains in the course of the novel what, what she thinks was wrong in her upbringing. And she has a pretty coherent answer. Um, but, uh, you know, she gets into trouble. Her grandfather, a renowned criminal lawyer, is frequently bailing her out, literally, which is right. part of their bond. Um, she's a great athlete. Uh, had hopes of being an Olympic snowboarder, broke her back uh, on a jump, uh, and became a lost soul after that. Um, too many painkillers led to too much drug use, frequently arrested, 
um, and uh, ultimately got the idea that she wanted to be a cop because she thought she could do it better than the people who'd harassed her uh, mm -hmm. and ended up flunking out of the academy in the last week because, long story, she failed a drug test. And uh, she's drifted after that. As she says, she feels like she missed the chance to be herself because she thought she had a talent for police work. Um, worked eventually for her grandfather and aunt in their law firm as a kind of paralegal, at, um, but displayed talent as an investigator. And when the grandfather and aunt retired, Pinky became uh, an investigator attached to the law office of another relative, Rick Dudek. Uh, and uh, that's where we find her as an investigator in Rick's office. Yeah, and she is she does not play by the rules. No. Um, and I think that she, she takes great pleasure in the fact that she doesn't play by the rules. She also has, I mean, for someone who's gone through so much, she has a remarkable insight to both her own strengths and her own flaws. Mm -hmm. Like she openly acknowledges, this is what's different about me that's good. And this is what's different about me that's bad. Right. Right. What do you think, Scott, what do you think she wants most in the mm -hmm. world? If she could have one thing, what would I it think, be? I, I think it pretty clearly, Bill, is self-acceptance. Um, because she's still, um, I mean, Pinky is, um, by her own admission, a weird person. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, just to, to, to clue your audience, you know, one sign of this is the fact that she wears an old piece of goth jewelry that makes it look like she's got a common nail through her nose. Uh, so she's not, uh, she's not trying to tell the world that she's, you know, the girl next door. And, um, you know, she knows this about herself. I think accepting the fact that you're not just a little bit unique, but, but, you know, really different from the person that most other people in the world want to be, um, it, you know, comes with a lot of conflict and pain. Uh, and that's really at the center of what's going on with Pinky. And, um, you know, and that's part of the struggle that I referred to before when I said, you know, what is it that can sustain, when you asked, what is it about a protagonist that can sustain mm -hmm. a book? Yeah, she, at one point in the book, she tells one of the other characters, you've never met anyone like me. Right. And bo right. boy, is that true. That, right. is, she's, that she's, is true. She's proud of that. Yeah. She's proud of that, but she knows, uh, you know, and she's talking to a lover by then, you know, she, she's proud in the sense that she thinks that will be interesting to the person she's talking to. Um, and that's good, but um, you know, if, if if you really peer down through the surface, mm -hmm. you also would think that's the doom of the relationship that, uh, that she's not like anybody else. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the book itself. Um, the premise of the book is that the chief, the chief of police, who's a woman, Lucia Gomez Barrera is, um, you know, she's made her way in this man's world. She's become chief of police. 
And all of a sudden she is accused of um, sextortion, demanding right. sex for promotion by three separate men. Right, right. Uh, tell us a little bit about Chief Gomez. Well, um, you've done a great job of summarizing her yourself, but you know, Lucy Gomez is uh, somebody who um, became a cop after she got out of the army just because there was a veteran's preference and found that she really liked the job uh, and, you know, started on the street across the river in the big city that, uh, you know, Kendall County and, um, you know, eventually moved out to the working class suburb of Highland Isle, um, did very well on that police force, is not shy about saying that, you know, being a female helped at times. Most of the time, of course, it was a hindrance. Um, but she rose through the, the force and uh, without uh, contaminating herself in what was a sometimes dirty department. And uh, when a reform mayor was elected, uh, Lucy became the logical candidate to lead the department. She was, grew up in that town. She was a great cop. She'd gone to night school. She had advanced degrees. Um, so, um, you know, she came in and until this moment, when three men suddenly say she's been shaking us down for sex, uh, you know, she'd been doing really well. Yeah, and I thought that was a very interesting twist on the traditional male-female power dynamics in right. the workplace. This right. is men accusing her of this. Right. And right. as a reader, you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Um, and she's asked about it. And, you know, of course she didn't. And I think she says something like, well, yeah, well, yeah, her lawyer, Rick says, well, you know, we're, we're going to eventually put on the defense and we'll say it's bull pucky that you ever had sex with these guys. And she's like, well, wait, well, wait a minute, you know, we'll, right. we'll talk about that later. Um, so it's, it's complicated and, um, you know, it's both, I think appropriate, but somewhat amusing that, you know, the law's got its hard categories and it says, you know, if somebody does this, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet um, everybody from the beginning, uh, starting with Pinky says, well, wait a minute, it's different when it's a woman. Right. And, uh, you know, she says, she says to Rick, Pinky says to Rick, well, I don't understand how'd she force them? They're all bigger than her and they're all carrying a 38. So how did she force them? And, right. uh, you know, it's not a question you necessarily ask when gender roles are reversed. Exactly. Um, and there, and what you do learn is that it is very complicated. It, it's not, it's not black and white. There is a dark force out there trying to get her. And the villain in the villain in the, in the book is, Moritz Wojciech, also known as the Ritz. Why don't you, you, you tell the, uh, the viewers a little bit about the Ritz? Uh, well, the Ritz, um, and, I, and I have to say he arises a little bit from my, um, my own experience, but the Ritz is um, like a lot of police officers, whatever the stereotype, um, is super smart and uh, really, you know, could be a professor somewhere if that was the path mm -hmm. he had chosen, probably if his father weren't 
a cop. He, he might have gone that way. Um, and uh, but his father was a dirty cop and like father, like son. Mm -hmm. And uh, he takes great satisfaction out of uh, thinking he's the smartest guy in the room. Um, mm -hmm. Often he is. Uh, and, uh, you know, he arranged his life on the police force so that um, he could um, engage in various schemes, basically shaking down drug dealers. And uh, as he's become a private person, he's done very, very well, but the leopard doesn't change his spots. Right. And uh, Lucy says, you know, if I had to bet, Rick's, Ritz is still a drug dealer. Yeah, he is. He, you, you describe him, and I love the way you describe him, flat out, born bad, who lives to be wicked. Right. He is, right. he is just a bad guy. He wants to be a bad guy. He loves being a bad guy. And, you know, we find out that he, obviously, he and Chief Gomez have a history. And there's, and without getting into it, there's a very interesting power dynamic that happens between them. One is up, one is down, one is up, one is down. Right. Um, and it, it's really interesting the way that it unfolds. And you don't really learn until the end how it unfolds. Right. Um, now, Lucy, or Lucy, um, Pinky gets involved with a guy across the hall who's very shady, very suspect. He's up to something. Um, tell us a little bit about him. She calls him two for right. the weird one. The weird one. Well, th this, this man moves in next door to her only three or four weeks before the action in the novel commences. And uh, as far as Pinky's concerned, he's not your normal next door neighbor. Um, he really has no interest in saying hello to her or anybody else who lives in the building seemingly. I uh, never even cleans out the mailbox from the prior tenant and just walks through whatever the postal carrier leaves underneath his mailbox uh, in the foyer of the old building where they, where they live. Um, you know, and Pinky being a natural snoop um, yeah. tries to immediately begins eavesdropping on him and hears nothing from next door after a couple of television shows early on. Mm -hmm. She doesn't even hear the, the keys clicking uh, on his computer terminal. And so she begins starting with different fantasies about him. You know, he must be uh, somebody in witness protection. He must be a hitman. Uh, he seems to have a regular routine, but she has no clue what he's doing. Um, and, uh, you know, she's incredibly curious about him. Uh, as Rick, Rick, her boss, as Pinky begins to talk about him, says, well, what does he look like? And, and Pinky describes him and, you know, Rick says, well, he sounds kind of hot. And that's, is that what this, is that what this is about? And she goes, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, Pinky is, um, Pinky is transparent and uh, is interested in both men and women, but uh, she has her tastes and apparently this man fits them. Yeah. And, and you get the sense as this thing unfolds between the two of him, it's, it, it's a butterfly and a fire situation. Mm -hmm. But as the thing unfolds, you're not sure who's the butterfly and who's the fire because she mm -hmm. can be dangerous herself. Mm -hmm. No, no question. Um, 
and uh, I, I can't um, without uh, without engaging in a spoiler or two right. explain the full dimension of the relationship. But um, I may be saying too much, but when I was a boy, I remember reading a story in Playboy where um, it was an era where people used androids in order to have sex. Um, and uh, ultimately the send up in this particular story, I don't remember who wrote it, was that each of the, each of the main characters had sent their android out to have sex with the other person's android instead of doing it themselves. And <laughs> okay. uh, the androids were having a high old time. And that is, a there, there's echoes of that in Pinky's relationship with her next door neighbor, Coob. Yeah. One of the things that, as I read the book, the way Pinky talks, I mean, she doesn't talk like you and I, you know, men of a certain age, lawyers, ex-lawyers. She has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. And I wonder how much of a challenge that was for you to create this character and have her talk and have the voice sound so so real and so convincing uh, because it really was i mean i really i didn't hear um an older man talking through a younger woman i heard this young wild woman talking mm -hmm. and it was all very you know very natural to me you know um you know there's certain miracles in writing and so as i approached writing suspect with my editor ben severe um, I had no idea that I was going to try to write in the first person because, you know, Pinky's social experience and mine um, are, are pretty distant. She's 40 years younger than I am, just to start. And um, I, but as soon as I started writing, I was writing in her voice and it just, it felt generally really natural to me. And that, you know, that doesn't mean that there weren't a few clinkers here and there that were pointed out to me by either the editors or advanced readers. Um, but generally speaking, I just heard her. And so uh, I sent Ben the first chapter written in the third person and written in the first person. Mm -hmm. And because uh, he was a little disbelieving when I said, I want to try this in first person. Right. And he wrote back and said, well, you know, the first chapter sounds pretty good. Why don't you write the book? And uh, if, you know, if we have to delay it while you rewrite in the third person, we'll delay it. But, you know, I, I'm kind of with your instinct on this. So, and it's, you know, it's, it's like the character who runs off with the book. Some, something happens. And, um, you know, I just had a feeling for this character to begin with what she was about. And I guess the voice came with it. Wow, that, 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 that is amazing, and, and it worked. However you did it, I will say that it worked. Wow, thank you. Um, and I want to end on that, and I want to tell everybody that Suspect is a really compelling book. It comes out on September 27th, Grand Central Publishing. Uh, you can buy it anywhere, and Scott, you also have your website, which is scottterow.com? Correct. Easy. Okay. As long as you remember how to spell my name and it's right up on the screen next to you. So that shouldn't be hard. Okay. I, I urge everyone to buy it. Uh, my name again is Bill Myers, 
um, the author of the Philadelphia Legal Series. This is Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Scott, thank you for being on the show. Bill, thank you for the time and your enthusiasm. I really appreciate it. It's a great interview.